Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Louis Hunt. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Friday to you, Golden Eagle fans. Listening across the state of Mississippi on the Super Talk Mississippi Network. It's the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in beautiful downtown Laurel. Brandon pushing all the right buttons in Hattiesburg. Bob off today, but we uh, greatly appreciate you joining us and uh, probably getting a little rain wherever you are that's okay and it's a prelude into the weekend the outside work you had planned to do maybe just do some of it on the inside but uh, appreciate you joining us today first segment of the eagle hour brought to you every day by dickie's barbecue pit the hometown team located at turtle creek mall right next to turtle creek mall in hattiesburg dickie's some of the best barbecue out there all kinds of great things you may even pop in there from time to time and see something new on the menu i ate at dickie's last week it was excellent and i encourage you to go see our good friends uh, at dickie's barbecue dickie's barbecue cooked here loved everywhere proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Good show for you today, Patrick McGee, because we were off yesterday because of the uh, Palmer House Radiothon, and I'll, I'll bring you up to date a little later in the program how just uh, tremendous the response was yesterday, and it's still continuing even today. But we were off yesterday. Patrick McGee is going to join us uh, next segment with some breaking Southern Miss baseball news. But on the breaking news front, went ahead and, and pulled Kelly John Center um, out of wherever he is today with some breaking news. Kelly, how's your Friday? Doing good, Luke. But, you know, after after recovering from uh, the virus, uh, I'm not going anywhere, bro. I'm at the house. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, <laughs> and I'm really I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying I, I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be here for a while. But, yeah, lots shaking in the, the junior college ranks. Of course, the Mississippi Association of Junior and Community Colleges, formerly known as the MACJAC, now is officially the MACC, which is the Mississippi Association of Community Colleges. They have decided now to push the football season back to October 1st. Now, let's let's rewind here a little bit and kind of unpack some of this. There was some controversy a month or so ago, between the MAC and the NJCAA, the National Junior College Athletic Association, in that the NJCAA made the official decision that they were moving football to the spring. Well, the MAC did not want that to happen. They wanted to play in the fall, and there was some discussion and some thought even that the Mississippi Association of Community Colleges would withdraw from the NJCAA and go independent. But I'm here, and what I'm hearing today and reporting today is that that bridge has been fixed. The MACC will remain a part of the NJCAA, and that the NJCAA has approved the MAC playing football in the fall, beginning October 1st. What will happen is that they will be North Division games only and South Division games only, which will mean starting October 1st, 
one of the teams in the north and one of the teams in the south will essentially have a bye week because of the odd number of teams, seven teams, and then it's still to be determined whether they will have playoffs afterwards and just crown a state champion uh, or just let it be the regular season north and south. Now, a postscript to this, Luke, because the MACC has been granted the waiver to play football in the fall and other NJCAA schools will be playing in the spring, the MAC teams will not be allowed to play for the national championship, which would be next spring. Let me repeat that. Because the MAC is going to play football in the fall, they will not be allowed to compete for a national championship next spring. Now, two teams that come to mind, Mississippi Gulf Coast and Jones, who are loaded this year as far as players go, that was a bone of contention with both of those schools. But the drawback to that is if you waited until the spring and played with the rest of the NJCAA schools, Jones and Gulf Coast would already have a lot of their athletes gone to the Division I level. So the guys that they would be counting on to potentially win a national championship would be gone anyway. So, again, that's what we know at this hour. The MAC is pushing its season back to October 1st. A North and a South team will have a bye week, you know, somewhere in that six-week mix, and then they'll decide what type of playoff system they want to have. But in a, in a deal brokered with the NJCAA, the NJCAA is approving a fall schedule for the MAC, but the MAC teams will not be able to play for a national championship in the spring. Breaking news, and, and we talked uh, last week to Kevin Maloney, one of the SIDs at Jones College, and really Mississippi, I, I think, Kelly, Mississippi did a really good job because they were a united front in this. And and I think basically what, what Kevin told us Jones' position was, and you can expect this from Pearl River, you can expect this from Northwest, you can expect this from Mississippi Co- Gulf Coast, they weren't going to have enough players uh, due to the the exodus, you know, to D one programs. And what Kevin said is, if they push it back to the spring, we just won't play football um, for an entire year. And I think that was what Mississippi really uh, was able to do was to have a a front like that, a united front, basically saying we're not going to be able to play football for a year. And I think that's probably what led the NJCAA, uh, or at least. In, in a big way, help contribute to that. But credit all the Mississippi schools being united in that decision uh, to, to give and take a little bit, but still to be able to serve their athletes and, and even their local fan bases as well. And, and it should be noted that the Mississippi schools pack a particular wallop with their punch because most of the football power in the NJCAA comes from the state of Mississippi. There really nationwide are not a whole lot of junior college uh, teams, and there are very few states even playing junior college football. So when the Mississippi group talks, you know, it, it certainly behooves the NJCAA to listen, particularly when it comes to football, when a bulk of the, of the powerful teams in the country play in the state of Mississippi. So they, they had to listen for sure. But I think the the agreement that was that was reached upon was reasonable. Again, it, it hurts teams like Jones and Gulf Coast. But again, and those were, and I just mentioned those. Gulf Coast is the, is the defending national champion, and Jones right here in our in our backyard. But you know, if you if as you just mentioned, if they played in the spring, they wouldn't have you know near the players to even compete. But particularly their good players, their best players, who they would be counting on to help win a national championship anyway. So lots of activity today. Yeah. 
on the junior college front. Yeah, I mean, it's I was I was went on a few college sites, Jones College, seemingly anticipating that announcement has uh, you know the first uh, two games cut off their schedule, and it looks like they're they're right now it's all Thursdays except for the last. One which would be a homecoming game against uh, Colin, but yeah, starting on uh, October the first, East Central, then Hines, then Southwest Mississippi, the Cat Fight against Pearl River, October twenty second, Gulf Coast on uh, Halloween, and then Colin on on the seventh. What it does is though, because most colleges are allowing are not going to do anything post Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's late this year; it's uh, November twenty sixth. If the Mac Jack or whatever they're called now, you you can help me with all the uh, with all the, yeah. the letters again. But if if they choose to allow, because you got to remember in Mac Jack football for a state championship, there's only two playoff games. There's only right. four teams make the playoffs. You right. could actually have a playoff game and be done the week before Thanksgiving and crown a state champion if they chose to do that. And I think I think ultimately that's what they will choose to do. Luke, but but the key you make a very good point. They want to be they want to have football season wrapped up and put away before Thanksgiving, which is when the students are essentially going to break anyway um, because of the the flu season of November and December. Then the students wouldn't even come back until January. So I, I suspect, even though they have not announced what they're going to do with the playoffs yet, I suspect that they will do exactly what they have done the last couple of years. The only thing would be the season would start later. It would be a condensed. You know, South Division, North Division schedule only, and there would be a state champion crowned, but that state champion would not obviously be allowed to compete for the national championship. So the MACC, the first football uh, in the state, making decisions going forward as to what it looks like now. And you're hoping that by October 1st things would settle down, but I see today another 1,600 cases uh, across the state of Mississippi. Yeah. So um, things aren't necessarily getting better anytime soon you hope they will but you and you look at um finally you you look at it allows these athletes uh to at least get six games in before they transfer to uh, their d1 programs it it's a it's a basically a a daily announcement from jones or one of their players where they've committed going uh, d1 it's that same way with a lot of Different people, you know. We do hold uh, Mississippi does hold leverage in it. Uh, I was talking to a friend earlier, and he said, "Yeah, we have won the last seven out of nine national championships. So there's a they, we we can't win them all. So we might as well let the 2020 uh, 2021 national champion be from somewhere else." Kelly, um, may call you back later in the show. Uh, yeah, I want to talk a, a, a few more things on the sports front. Yeah, I got some news from the Southland Conference today too, Luke. So I'll wait to hear from you later on. Good deal. Thanks. Uh, it's Kelly Sander joining us, and he will join us again later in the program. Stick around. Uh, right after the break, Patrick McGee, the professor, comes on. Some breaking Southern Miss uh, baseball news. Exciting about the 2021 baseball season. Don't go anywhere. Friday edition of the Eagle Hour continues right after this on Super Talk Mississippi. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a rainy Friday. Hope uh, you are having. Uh, it's been a good week for you. Hope it's been a good Friday for you. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Campus Bookmark, located 
on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, the big yellow building right across the street from Southern Miss. Uh, great selection. I just, I'm actually wearing a hat right now in the First Bank Studio in Laurel. Uh, it's a really cool net back, black on the front, new Southern Miss logo. It says the University of Southern Mississippi. I bought that at Campus Bookmark. You can too. Great selection of uh, Southern Miss uh, attire and whatever you need. Just remember all those gifts that Bob Getty never sends me. He wants to send me, or he says he will. They they all technically come from Campus Bookmark. Campus Bookmark located on Hardy Street and online campusbookmark.net. It's Friday. We were off for the Radiothon yesterday, and uh, just to let you guys know, yesterday through the Radiothon, you raised, as Super Talk listeners, over $275,000 for uh, the Palmer House. Uh, the online auction is still going on. You can go to supertalk.fm, front slash auction. Still uh, up for bids on that. A signed football by Jay Hobson, a signed baseball bat and helmet by Scott Berry. And we greatly appreciate your support of uh, the Palmer House and the auction still ongoing. Uh, because of the Radiothon yesterday, the professor uh, had the day off. He's back today. I know you didn't have the day off with your normal job, Patrick, just, just with us. But Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun-Herald joins us. Uh, Patrick, a lot happening on the Southern Miss baseball front, and most of it's good news for Scott Berry's club. Yeah, I mean, really the, the lone kind of bad news for Southern Miss is that Matt Gidry is, is moving on. But other than that, pretty much most of the other key pieces that you were hope, you know, were hoping would come back are, are coming back. And it's uh, Walker Powell, Hunter Stanley, Sean Tweedy, uh, Tyler Spring. Uh, all those guys are coming back. And, but to get Powell and, and Stanley back and, of course, Shepard going undrafted, uh, that, that you're, you know, your three best guys are coming back and you've already got a pretty deep pitching staff. Uh, you've got some holes to fill in the lineup, but then you look, you got a, a Slade Wilkes who's got the potential of being an impact guy right away in the lineup, bringing some power to, uh, to a, you know, a starting nine that didn't necessarily show much of it last season. So, uh, uh it'll be interesting to see if they can find a position for Wilkes, but, uh, it's pretty interesting to see how things kind of came together for the Golden Eagles after that. The draft only lasted five rounds this year. Yeah, I want to come back to Wilkes in just a moment. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was talking to, uh, I believe, Richard Cross on Sports Talk. And, you know, whenever the draft comes around, Scott Berry feels the same way over the years. Chad Kaye has expressed this also. You're kind of torn. Um, all Southern Miss fans want to see Gabe Shepard back. At the same time, if he gets drafted fourth round and becomes a millionaire, you, you can't blame the kid whatsoever, you know. So it's always it's always kind of a, a mixed emotions. You want your you want your Southern Miss guys to do well. At the same time, you want them pitching at the Pete. Uh, Southern Miss on that front at least dodged a huge bullet uh, with Shepard being back in uh, a, another year. But I'm a subscriber to you and the Bluxy Sun Herald. Encourage other people to uh, go to. Uh, and subscribe to to your content. One of the things in that article um, that I thought was interesting was Scott Berry threw out the possibility that Hunter Stanley could be a, a starter uh, occasionally, maybe midweek games, and then use him in short relief in, on the, in the weekend series. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stanley as a midweek guy would be really scary. Uh, I, I mean, he was so good out of the bullpen uh, this, uh, this past season, and uh, he was really good as a junior. Uh, uh, Stanley's actually been starting games here during that uh, for that Deep South uh, uh, Summer Collegiate League, and he's really dominated, folks, which you would expect. Uh, but it, it's if you you know factor in Stanley as a starter either in midweek or as your third guy, 
I mean, imagine being in a weekend rotation where you have uh, Shepard, Powell, and Stanley out there. Um, if Stanley gets to a point to where he can give you seven or eight innings as a starter, I don't know why you just don't go ahead and make him a starter. Now, I know he's very, very effective out of the bullpen, uh, but, you know, if, if he's you know throwing six, the idea I guess for Barry right now is maybe he would throw six or seven innings in midweek and come back and throw a ninth inning as a as a closer once on the weekend. Uh, that's the idea I have in mind. But to me, I, I think ultimately, if you do put Stanley in that position to start, it's it's it would be really hard to keep him out of the weekend. I mean, it's worked before. You know, Nick Sandlin's obviously a once in a generation mm-hmm. talent. The same token, but I mean, you you look at you may not even be forced to do that because I mean, let's be honest. Ben Etheridge was lights out when he pitched this year as a true freshman. I mean, I, I, either way, you would still have you know three righties um, in your mm-hmm. rotation. But Etheridge was good, and you know Chandler Best was coming on. He struggled early, but you know he showed some promise there. Uh, but, you know, when you look at who, who the Eagles lost, it's really just Gidry. I mean, Alex Nelms going to medical school, and he's going to make uh, more money than all of us ever combined. Hunter LeBlanc uh, transfers to Jones College, but Reed Trimble had kind of taken his position. But, I mean, it's like best-case scenario. The draft really didn't affect you at all. No. Uh, Josh Lewis was a lefty that you could kind of throw out there now and then. He'll be headed to Delta State. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's just the lineup couldn't be much better. Uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, this I thought they were okay at the plate this past season, all things considered, with with everything lost. McGillis was promising there at first base, and uh, he showed some pop, you know, and kind of tailed off, had some energy, had some injuries. Uh, but overall, I think, you know, Gabe Montenegro was, uh, you pop him in there at the top of the lineup and, and really kind of fill in from there. Uh, you're going to be okay. You're going to produce runs. But as we all know, as long as if you have pitching, like, you know, if Shepard stays healthy and and Powell, like I pointed out, he's only lost like five games in the last three years. And then Stanley, and then really an overall deep bullpen. Uh, it's It really sets up to be a, a team that's kind of built to win. It's just really are they going to kind of be able to develop some guys in the middle of the lineup that can kind of mash. Like guys we've seen in the past, whether it's a Walner or uh, you know or a Braley or something like that. If somebody like that really steps up, uh, that really t- takes the team to another level. So I uh, everything's probably worked out as well, about as well as Barry could have hoped. But we also have to take into account there's some other teams that's kind of worked that way for them, too. Uh, you know, Southern Miss isn't the only guy bringing back some seniors they didn't, uh, you know, really expect to have. So uh, it, it really sets up to be a really entertaining college baseball season. All right. Whenever Walner came in, a lot of people called him Paul Bunyan and Tall Timber. I called him Roy Hobbs. Um, and that was just kind of my nickname for him. <laughs> New guy coming in. You mentioned him earlier, Slade Wilkes. And mm-hmm. a, a lot of people, he, he verbaled to Southern Miss uh, from Columbia Academy right down the road, but a lot of people thought he would never put on the black and gold simply because he was going to be a, a a top prospect. When the draft mm-hmm. got messed up because of COVID, you look up, Slade Wilkes is going to be on campus in Hattiesburg next uh, year. And Patrick, I mean, this is a kid. He's got a hundred plus mile an hour exit velo on his swings. I mean, put in perspective what type of. I'm not talking about average hitter. I'm not talking about you know whether he's gonna he's gonna hit uh, you know 350. I'm just talking about from a pure power prospect. Is is he in the same league as as a Matt Warner as far as pros, prospects go? Uh, I wouldn't go that far at this point. I, I, it, you know, he's played at Columbia Academy. He's really gone up against top-notch pitching, uh, but I think really everybody's kind of anxious to see what he does against consistent good Division One pitching. But yeah, he's got it. Uh, 
I mean, he's got power probably. I mean, if you you, you, you go back and read about some of the home runs he hit in, like, perfect game showcases, I mean, he's about 500 feet. Uh, the guy has just got, wow. if you look at a swing, it's really kind of built for the long ball. There's a little bit of a, uh, uh uppercut to it. Uh, he swings, uh, he's a good athlete. He swings with violence. Uh, he's a big, big kid, 6'2, 215, not quite as big as Walner, uh, but he's a really, really strong kid. Uh, he's somebody with obviously a lot of potential. And I think, I was like you, whenever he committed to Southern Miss, I was like, well, he's eventually just going to be that, that, you know, uh, guy straight out of high school goes pro, but, uh, the draft really kind of got screwed up for a lot of high school kids. Colton Keith out of Bluxy, he almost fell all the way through, and he was supposed to be a second or third rounder. So uh, it was a tough break for Wilkes. But I think uh, the more I heard about Wilkes, they're kind of going in the draft. He he actually really wanted to go to college. Uh, and that's what I heard out of Colt Keith whenever I talked to him before the draft. I was like, well, what about Slade Wilkes? And he knew him. I was like, well, he really, wanted, he really wants to go to Southern Miss. Uh, so Wilkes is – uh, he's landed in the Hattiesburg. He's gonna uh, he's gonna be a guy that you know. Stay, he's gonna be eligible after two years. But if you can get a guy that hits you know 15 homers a year over the next two seasons, uh, you're getting a big big addition to that lineup. And just so people know, on his perfect game profile, he's a number one outfielder in in Mississippi, number two overall player in Mississippi, nationally the number eight. Outfielder in Mississippi, or I'm sorry, in the country, the number 23 overall prospect in the entire country, Slade Wilkes from Columbia, Mississippi, going to be uh, a Golden Eagle. Pretty, pretty amazing. So, I mean, Patrick, um, as as much as you frown this year on no baseball, looking like 2021 could be really good for Scott Barry. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a, a team that really sets up to be a special one potentially. And he's had some teams that were really looked at and expected to be good. But I don't think in terms of the pitching experience and the pitching depth, I don't think he's had this. And, and Barry mentioned, you know, uh, you got 16 games in this year, and that means a lot of freshmen got out there to kind of uh, get that little bit of experience that gets that really at first season out of the way almost. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting how those guys, guys kind of make a leap. Uh, they've been able to play some summer ball, fortunately. So I think this is going to be a bunch of teams. That's going to, it's going to be a team that's going to have several freshmen on the roster who are playing like juniors and, 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 and sophomores out there. So uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting mix. It'll be interesting to see how some of these first year freshmen can get on the field. So it's it's yeah. you know you, you got a lot of guys coming back, and it's going to make it a little bit tougher to get everybody on the field that wants to get out there. But uh, that's a good problem to have. I'm excited already. Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun Herald, thanks for joining us today, bro. Stay dry this weekend. All right, y'all too. Patrick McGee, Kelly Center back up. We'll talk some more breaking news on the Mississippi Juco front and Division One right after this on the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Good report from Patrick McGee of the Bluxy Sun-Herald. Southern Miss baseball looking really good. If you have not uh, checked out Slade Wilkes from Columbia Academy, just do a quick Google search. Um, I'm telling you, you should be excited about that as a Southern Miss baseball fan. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Owner Slade White. Great friend of uh, the Eagle Hour, and we greatly appreciate his support. Eight ninety five with a drink every single day. The lunch 
at Fourth Street Bar and Grill. Luke uh, from a reigning downtown Laurel in the First Bank Studios, Brandon in Hattiesburg. Bob off today. We uh, bring Kelly Sander back on. And uh, if you if you missed uh, segment one, Kelly, just recap uh, one more time for our listeners, uh, just kind of the breaking news off the JUCO front in Mississippi, and then I know you got some more news uh, to bring us. Yeah, the Mississippi Association of Community Colleges, formerly the Mac Jack, now just the Mac, uh, has announced that they are going to push football season back to October 1st. They will play just a division schedule, so the North teams will play their Northern schedule. The South teams will play the Southern schedule. And because there's seven teams in each division, of course, one team will have a bye each week. They have not decided what they're going to do with their playoffs yet. Probably, probably will do what they've done in the past, where four teams would make the playoffs and, and uh, have a championship that way. But because they are going against the NJCAA ruling of playing football in the fall rather than the spring, they have conceded that they will not compete. The Mississippi State uh, champion will not compete in the national championship fray, which will take place next spring. So that's uh, the latest from the MACC season to start October 1st. They want to have everything wrapped up by uh, the week before Thanksgiving. Now, I know you had news- also uh, from, from the Southland um, some important news. And, uh, you know, people who don't follow the Southland, though, I mean, uh, geographically pretty close to Southern Miss. And the way we got to be looking over our shoulder right now, Kelly, is that anything re- happening regionally is probably going to impact Southern Miss directly. Which is exactly why, we, you know, we, we bring you up to date as to what conferences around us are doing. Because, quite honestly, Luke, nobody is hearing anything from Conference USA. I mean, it's, it's like everybody's been on summer vacation. Obviously, they haven't. But I'm just saying, you don't hear anything from Conference USA. So when people say, what is, what is Conference USA going to do? Well, we don't know because we haven't heard anything. So all, all we can do is report to you what conferences around us are doing. And, of course, if you looked at um, the president's briefing yesterday of the coronavirus uh, outbreak, the southeast and the south all along the border are the hardest hit places now. And that's the part of the country where football is king. So you've got a lot of, a lot of different factors going on here. But the Southland, which uh, schools around the area that are in the Southland Conference include southeastern Louisiana, northwestern Louisiana, uh, Louisiana Monroe's in the Sun Belt. But those two schools are in the Southland, along with Lamar, Stephen F. Austin, McNeese State, among others. They have decided now that volleyball and soccer – are not going to get the approval to start until September 1st. It was going to be an October 1st start, but now that has been pushed back to September 1st. And those sports, you know, uh, generally, you know, are not considered contact sports, and, and the, the athletes are spread out a little bit more than you would think in football. So reason would dictate, okay, if they're going to move those sports, which are generally non-contact and and further apart that the athletes are, what does that mean for football? There has been no word yet out of the Southland. And really, when, when the only com- conference commissioner that seems confident whatsoever that there's going to be a, a football season this year is the Sunbelt commissioner, who said on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday that he was certain that football would exist in some way, shape, or form. But now the Pac-12 has come out and said that they're going to play a conference-only schedule. So... What is that going to mean, you know, to all these games, these interconference games that have been scheduled? And, again, I'm sure the lawyers are mulling over our schools who, you know, 
cancel these non-conference games, uh, financially liable to pay those schools that they pulled the rug out from under. Still some things to be determined, but now the Pac-12 has said they're only going to play a conference-only schedule. But again, rather frustrating, I think, Luke, that, that the Conference USA has just not been very forthcoming with, um, with what's going on, whether it's the, you know, the pre, yeah. preseason and, and schedule or the conference schedule. With the Southland making that decision on soccer, people don't uh, people don't realize this. Southern Miss soccer is the first varsity sport of the year. If you go off the 2019 schedule, the Southern Miss Lady soccer team had their first exhibition against LSU on August the 9th. That is 16 days from now. And we always, as uh, as the Eagle Hour, you know, we always cover every sport, and we get really excited when soccer starts because that means that the official twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one athletic season at Southern Miss has started. We make a big deal about it because right. they lead the way, uh, you know, up up until football. Sixteen days from now, Southern Miss uh, would be would be around sixteen days from now they would be starting their soccer season. But if you go on southernmiss dot com right now, there is no twenty twenty schedule put in place for soccer. And I think, Kelly, to your point, it has everything to do with Conference USA being mute as everybody else around us makes announcements. And basketball basketball teams are even starting to think now, okay, if, if the pandemic doesn't calm down here, you know, are they going to have to change travel plans as far as it used to be they'd take one bus, all right? You'd put the, maybe the men and women's team on the same bus if you were playing a doubleheader. Obviously, if they were playing, you know, in different directions, the men would have their own bus, the women would have another. But even with that, if you, let's just say you traveled the men on one bus because of social distancing and so on, are you now going to have to take two buses? Are you going to have to take three buses with all the support personnel? Um, so, I mean, all these things that, that still have to be determined. But most basketball, most basketball leagues we're hearing from, and please understand we have not heard that from conference. What I'm about to say, we have not heard from Conference USA, but a lot of other leagues are just talking about they're not even going into the gym until January 1st. So that means, you know, we won't see any basketball in most leagues until after the first of the year. Now, a lot of people would argue, you know, in November and December, a lot of those are are games of insignificance anyway. It's more just kind of learning your personnel and their non-district games and usually blowouts one way or the other. But still, the fact that we're not, not going to see any basketball, for the most part, until January 1st. <sighs> I guess that's all I can say on that front. <laughs> well, you know, the, the NFL looks like it's... Did you get to, Luke, did you get to see any of the uh, Nationals-Yankees game last night, per chance? Well, I was disappointed. You know, at the new house right now, all we got is internet, so we don't have cable hooked up. Okay. So I thought they were going to have one of them on ESPN+. Plus. So they didn't, and so I just had to go back. I, I did see, and I'll, I'll jank on him for a segment. I did see Dr. Uh, Fochi without his mask on uh, in the crowd, but are, are in the, as the only three people in the crowd, right. I should say. You told me off air that it was a little boring to watch baseball last night. Yeah, I, I, it really took everything I had to be able to watch any of it, and I didn't really realize how much, what an element you know, the fans are in a baseball game until you don't see them there. And, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton hits this missile to center field, you know, to practically lead off the game. And, oh, well, you know, it, it, it's, it's just really weird 
last night watching a baseball game, you know, without any fans. And what I just wondered the, what was the piped in crowd noise like? I didn't hear any. I, I know I know there was talk that they were that they were gonna do that, but I didn't hear any. I mean I have watched some of the some of the MLS, you know, Major League Soccer this year and I actually have have enjoyed uh, some of the soccer action and they've piped in some noise there and that sounded you know it sounded okay it added to the broadcast but I didn't hear any last night now now maybe I just didn't then, uh, have my volume turned did, up enough but were, were you going to go in there with the Tigers I don't know if the Tigers are doing it but several of the uh, uh, franchises and teams in Major League Baseball are actually allowing you to pay for a cardboard cutout of yourself to to be placed in a <laughs> in a seat and some hey. of these teams are actually they're actually I think it's the Phillies uh who else is it uh, I thought maybe the Reds were uh yeah the Reds are the Phillies are several teams are, are allowing their fans to send in pictures of themselves and they can just stay in a seat the whole season I think that's a great idea and look I mean with no fans coming in the stands the owners got have to come up with some way to make a buck right to pay these guys uh the Dodgers did feature that last night in the game against the Giants, they had these poster cutouts, you know, behind uh, home plate, which is kind of comical um, because there's still no noise. You know, there's still no no crowd noise, but it's it's reality as as it is today. You know, this is this is the way it's going to be. Of course, last night was the official opening day of Major League Baseball season, but most all teams will play uh, today. Now, I know a lot of Cubs fans are on social media here in the Deep South, Braves fans, ready to get things going. Um, and my Tigers will play the Reds a little bit later on today. So, sixty game sprint, anything can happen. Any anything can happen. Fox uh, had a commercial out there. Uh, I think it's Sunday night when they show their game. They actually are going to have like simulated people in the, in the uh, the stadium where you're watching on television, and uh, they're actually going to do the wave. So that, that that's pretty interesting. <laughs> Man, the things they can do with computers Fairly. nowadays. Yeah, it will be. All right, we'll take a break. Be back. Kelly and I, uh, interesting first pitch last night from the Nationals game. Uh, Dr. Fochi probably needs to let Kelly coach him up on uh, how to throw a baseball. We'll tell you more about uh, a big recruit from South Mississippi where he commits to to play his college football career. Southern Miss was uh, in that running also. We'll tell you that. Stick with us on a rainy Friday. Eagle Hour continues from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Friday, Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Brandon in Hattiesburg pushing all the right buttons. He's in Hattiesburg. I'm in Laurel. I'm not uh, omnipresent. I can't be in more than one place uh, at a time. And uh, I was a little distracted, Kelly Center. I was looking. Uh, our window faces uh, downtown Central Avenue in Laurel, and my right. my mother was driving, and she looked at me, and we made eye contact, and I waved right when we were supposed to come back on air. So I uh, p- apologize uh, for that brain fog. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg. Located on Highway 98. If you need a new ride, it could be an SUV, get a 4Runner. If you uh, need a sedan, Camry and Corolla, or a truck, a Tundra, or a Tacoma, Toyota makes some of the best vehicles in the world, and Toyota of Hattiesburg can help you find your new 
Right. Uh, some some news and notes. This is good to know. You guys watching baseball um, this weekend. Baltimore set tonight to uh, take on Boston. Uh, if uh, the starter for Baltimore, Tommy Malone, gets in trouble. Kelly Sander, who's going to come out of the bullpen? Well, I'm hoping Cody Carroll will, and I hope he'll mow the Red Sox down. Cody Carroll, six foot five, two hundred fifteen pound right hander, had a back issue last year, but you've heard that name before. Uh, actually, we've had two Cody Carrolls most recently, not this one, but uh, a few years back we had a pitcher at Southern Miss, Cody Carroll. You remember him? He's really developed his uh, his velocity uh, and some of his off speed pitches. Now he is uh, officially uh, in the show with uh, the Orioles. So we wish Cody all the best. And Nick Sandlin obviously didn't make the opening day roster for the Indians. But you would expect uh, that he will probably be pitching for the Indians uh, next year um, very, very quickly. Um, Kelly, a, a name that has been um, thrown around as possible a Southern Miss uh, recruit uh, late in the game. Ty Keys, the, the quarterback for Taylorsville High School, he's been starting since he was a junior. Um, you've heard about this kid and, and know that, man, a lot of SEC schools have been on him since his sophomore year. Yeah, Ty Keys out of Taylorsville. I mean, athletically, you know, and Taylorsville year in and year out has, you know, seems to to produce just great quarterbacks. You know, going back to Jason Campbell, you know, who went on to Auburn and then a career in the NFL with the with the Raiders among other teams. But um, but a lot of people, and of course, there's some Mississippi ties. Um, you know, on because he's made his decision. You haven't announced where he's going yet, though, right? Luke? He's going, he's going to Tulane. Tulane, Tulane, Tulane. Of all places, Tulane. You you obviously want a kid to go where he feels like he has the best opportunity. But Ty Keyes was a kid. You looked at some of his offers. Oregon was in the mix. Nebraska was in the mix. Obviously, State and Ole Miss. Uh, Auburn was, was on him uh, pretty early. Uh, Southern Miss really legitimately thought down the stretch they might um, be able to uh, to snag him, and man, what a what a home run uh, snag that would have been. But Ty Key's going to Tulane, and uh, I tell you what, there's been a South Mississippi connection uh, right. down there, Kelly. Uh, you you talk about Will Hall, who Bobby Hall's uh, son is the OC. Uh, you've talked about Willie Fritz and and how he uh, is a great recruiter, but. Uh, Thakarius Keys from Laurel High School just uh, went pro. Keon Howard, obviously from Laurel High School, uh, is the senior quarterback there. So uh, it's one of those programs, man. You got to watch Tulane's coming in South Mississippi and, and getting some really good recruits. Yeah, and, and Will Hall, you know, like I say, he he's on one of those. He's on, actually on a lot of lists of those young coaches, you know, to look look for in the future, you know, to get a promotion and get a head coaching job somewhere. But Willie Fritz. You know, turned. Uh, I mean, kept things going at Georgia Southern. Everywhere, Will, and Willie Fritz started in the Southland Conference. Um, so there's a guy who, everywhere he's been, he is uh, he's upgraded by far. Uh, not only the wins and losses, but uh, you know, facilities and everything else. So Tulane is one of those teams to to watch. I hate I hate that we didn't get Ty Keys, but I knew he'd probably stay somewhere close. I, I figured it wouldn't be Ole Miss because they've got Plumlee, who's just a you know just a sophomore. So he'd have to wait, you know, a good long time, you know, before ideally before he got his shot. But um, I mean, he's a, he's a good kid, and he's from Taylor's and those looks. So obviously, we wish him well. Just disappointed um, for for Southern Miss fans that we didn't and, and, get him. And kudos to Ty Keys. He he had said early on that he was going to make his commitment decision before the season started, 
and and I like that. I, he's he's not going to you know flirt with teams. He's not going to just you know uh, be that way. He's going to let people know where he's going so he can concentrate on his senior season. I appreciate that. All right. Um, if you have not followed some of our Southern Miss baseball players um, on Twitter, you should. Brant Blaylock was straight up Twitter gold. I mean, I'm talking about like professional expert, just pithiness, like great stuff. But um, but Kelly, last night, uh, the esteemed and beloved uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, the mask king himself, threw out the first pitch uh, for the Nationals. Uh, the pitch wasn't that good. Well, can can you describe to our listeners what what it looked like? Well, you'd have to put home plate about a third of the way up the first baseline for it to even touch the corner. It was, just, it was probably the worst first pitch uh, I had ever seen. And, look, the fact that he was wearing a mask had nothing to do with, with how bad the pitch was. Now, normally, and he, he doesn't seem to be a real egotistical guy, right? But normally, if you're going to no. throw the first pitch, you, you know, you get out in the yard maybe two or three days ahead of time and and try to loosen up the old arm. But wow, I, I it hope was, uh, he is, it was just just a bit outside. Yeah, and I and I hope he is as off with his coronavirus predictions as he was with the pitch. Amen. Here's the, here's the Twitter gold. Will McGillis, first baseman for Southern Miss, retweets the pitch and says, "I like it. Change the eye level, then follow that up with a high fastball. The hitter has no chance." Twitter gold from Southern Miss baseball. Kelly, I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Thank you for listening, everyone. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday. Bob will be back also for Luke Johnson. Have a great weekend and as always, Southern Miss to the top. To the top. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.